passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Welcome everybody to rewind a raw. I am John Pollock. Coming to you from an undisclosed set that, after months and months, if you really wanted to find it, it would probably take you eh, under three hours to find. Also highly flammable. Joining me, as always, to get me through this show is Waiting. Wei, are you ready to burn it down? Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready to prosper and uh, respect... Whatever he is, Pro- proper prosper and reflect. What is it? Conquer and respect. Oh, pr- um, conquer and prevail. Yes, that's right. Prevail and conquer. Oh yeah. I don't know which goes first, but nonetheless, we have more of Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt to discuss on the show. We have a lot of news to go through. It's been a very long day. I have watched like seven hours of wrestling and the final three felt like an eternity. Well, we're only getting started. This is like, you know, this is just the beginning of the week. Well, Tuesday is a quiet, a more quiet day for now. And this, this, this was a lot doing new Japan and WWE today. I, I had this crazy notion in the back of my mind that maybe I'll get that stardom card in on Monday. Ha <laughs> ha what a joke. Maybe on two it's, times the speed. You can't. I I think for some of these, they, they should have that option. At some point, yeah. But John is referring to, of course, our uh, New Japan King of Pro Wrestling review that is up on our Patreon right now. A, a pretty big show. A four and a half hour show that uh, John and I... Not discussed. our podcast. Not our podcast, but the actual event itself. But um, a number of important matches and a number of culminating storylines, I would say. On this particular show. Yeah, this is kind of frustrating because by the time you're listening to this, the press conference will have already gone down for Wrestle Kingdom and probably making a bunch of announcements for the show. But that is in three hours time and I am going to be unconscious by 2 a.m. So I don't think I will be watching that live, but uh, we will have something up on the site early Tuesday morning. Are you going to stay up and watch this press conference? I'll probably be editing. So I'll have it on in the background. Maybe. I'll get all the news either way. All right. Well, we will discuss that later on in the week. Let's just dive right into things and talk about uh, this week on the site, uh, go through uh, a number of big shows we have coming up. Tuesday night, it's the return of our MCU reviews. We've got Spider-Man, 
Homecoming. That's right. Yeah. It's the uh, first MCU Spider-Man standalone film. And certainly if you've heard all about all the the recent drama between uh, Sony and Marvel, we will talk about how that deal first began and their first product, Spider-Man Homecoming. I'm looking forward to it. So that's coming up Tuesday night for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Wednesday night, of course, two free shows coming your way with Up Next with Braden and Davey and then myself and Way with Rewind to Dynamite. So we'll be chatting all about week number three with AEW in Philadelphia and NXT coming back with Keith Lee, Donovan, Dijakovic, Tommaso Ciampa has a match. Thursday, it's the Cafe Hangout. Live at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, all cafe members can tune in and watch the show, call into the show. We're going to be going over everything from the night prior. We'll share our thoughts on NXT. Uh, Tons and tons of news, I will expect, by Thursday. And on top of that, we're going to be joined by boxing analyst and former colleague of ours, Corey Erdman, as he's going to join us. He is uh, someone that follows professional wrestling very closely as well, but we're going to talk about uh, this angle with Tyson Fury, what it means for Tyson Fury to be getting this kind of uh, spotlight, and conversely, the WWE, who they are drawing from for this show, and if it ultimately is working in his estimation. So lots of fun stuff to talk about with one Corey Erdman. Corey was also one of the people who uh, worked on the Kenny Omega documentary that was recently released on TSN. So maybe we'll ask uh, his thoughts on on uh, AEW thus far, because I'm sure he's paying attention. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we'll chat about that. Coming up on Friday, we've got Rewind to SmackDown as myself and Way will be going through week number three on Fox. So that will be up for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe on Saturday. It's the return of the Rocky Maya via Picture Show and joining Nate this Saturday it's going to be the weekend of Nate Milton. Uh, up first, he's going to be joined by Braden Harrington and Davey Portman to review Race to Witch Mountain, starring, of all people, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So that will be on Saturday with the Up Next crew. And then Nate is with me on Sunday night because it's Bound for Glory, TNA's big show of the year. And Nate and I will be going through what looks like a very interesting show on paper. Um, quite, quite the mixture of performers when you've got Ken Shamrock and Black Taurus wrestling on the same card with Naomichi Marafuji. All of that comes together at Bound for Glory on Sunday. A really important show for Impact as they uh, get ready to launch their series on Access TV. So I'm, I'm, I'll certainly be paying attention to this as, you know, potentially a, a bit of a, a you know, a, a jumpstart, I would say, for their new uh, Access home. Uh, I'm looking forward to this pay-per-view. Uh, on paper, it looks like a really good card. Um, they're going to have a great crowd in uh, Villa Park, Illinois. I believe they're sold out. And it's it's a really interesting card. And yeah, yeah. this propels them into their Access debut next Tuesday. So um, a noteworthy time for a lot of companies, Impact included. I also want to mention the British Wrestling Experience. Oh, this, yes. This week moves to Friday. So starting on this Friday, the 18th, you will hear uh, Martin, Ollie, and Benno talk about the latest in British wrestling news. And you can download that, of course, by searching British Wrestling, wrestling Experience on their very own feed on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. And I just got an update. Uh, Ollie will not be joining them this week, but Jamesy will be. Oh, damn. <laughs> I'm so used to saying those names. Sorry about it's, that. It's very late for us. I'm looking forward to uh, it. It's uh, moving to a new slot on Fridays here at postwrestling.com, but a dynamite show uh, every time that they, these three get together or any combination. Of probably, they might talk about Dynamite. I'm sure they will be. They're going to be chatting about wrestling inside of caves, uh, the recent uh, tag team festival, lots of great stuff coming up uh, this week from the three. 
So check all of that stuff out at postwrestling.com or you can go join the Post Wrestling Cafe at postwrestlingcafe.com. That comes with the Spider-Man show, Cafe Hangout on Thursday, and then Rewind to SmackDown on Friday night. And our New Japan reviews, of course. Of course, yes. Go check that out now uh, to hear about all of our thoughts on today's uh, Mammoth King of Pro Wrestling card. And that's kind of where I wanted to start, not uh, re-reviewing King of Pro Wrestling, but just uh, several hours removed for those that maybe didn't get to hear our review. Some of your overall thoughts on King of Pro Wrestling and the notable news coming out of the show. We've got our main event for the first night at Tokyo Dome with Kazuchika Okada and Kota Ibushi for the IWGP title. I thought it was a really fantastic show uh, in terms of in-ring content. It's certainly more than delivered for my expectations of, you know, just a, a show that took place, bef- takes place, you know, in the months before Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I highly recommend people check out uh, Will Ospreay taking on uh, El Phantasmo. That match to me was fantastic. I was, you know, I was really interested in Jushin Liger versus Minoru Suzuki after the fantastic storyline that those two uh, created. And John and I got into like a lot of detail about maybe where we felt like things were sort of lacking. But that picture is also a bit more clear after having seen some of the post-match press conference or post-match uh, interviews that uh, that just came out as we were about to record this. Uh, and yeah, as, do, you, do you want to share any of that, what the video uh, featured with Liger's interview? Yeah, okay. Well, without spoiling it, the, uh, I believe uh, we are going to get a rematch between the two. So... You know, whatever the result on Monday, just know that uh, I, it seems to be the direction that they are pointing towards is another match between these two, potentially at uh, a bigger show down the line. Uh, not exactly sure when, but I believe that is the direction. And all right. Yeah. And of course, we also talk a lot about uh, John Moxley and the uh, circumstances preventing him from appearing on the show and also being stripped of the U.S. title. Um, so uh, it ended up being Juice, Juice Robinson versus Lance Archer in uh in in a, in a situation that i feel like new japan ultimately kind of benefited from so yeah that was really interesting and as well uh a really great main event between kazuchika okada and sonata that capped off uh, a very very great like story that i think these two told throughout the year yeah i i thought it was a great card um i was with way i thought the will osprey el fantasma was the best match on the show but not far behind them was that okada sonata match and it was tough to be in that position knowing that you've got your main event etched in stone i don't think anybody was doubting that okada was retaining this title but nonetheless they went out they had a dynamite match for 37 minutes and the post-match stuff was really really strong as well so overall like this was a really big blockbuster show out of new japan with the uh the latter half especially, some really big matches um, that they delivered as well. So you can get that whole review up on our review on the cafe. Moving on to some other news uh, from today. Anything else on the New Japan front before we move on? No, that's it. So I guess a lot of people are focused uh, on the statement that was put out tonight by Mike Bennett, a.k.a. Mike Kanellis. And he put out the statement. Uh, I'm just going to read a portion of it. Today, I asked for my release from WWE. I want to thank everyone in the company who has helped me out and who I have shared a locker room with. I love you all. I've been with the company for almost three years, and I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity. However, it's time for me to move on. I'm only 34 years old and feel I have way too much left in the tank. Working one day a week is just not going to cut it for me. I came to WWE to work, and that opportunity does not exist right now. I re-signed with the company back in June because I thought it was the best for my family, and maybe from a financial standpoint it was. But I quickly realized that bringing my work frustrations and misery home for me is not good for my family, and I no longer want my daughter to constantly see me come home defeated, sad, and angry. 
It's not fair to her or my wife. Being a pro wrestler was and is my lifelong dream, and I'm just not ready to give that up yet. I wasted four years of my life addicted to drugs and not caring when I should have been having the best matches of my life. Now that I'm clean, sober, and motivated, I want to have those 30-minute matches. I want to travel the world and wrestle in front of UK crowds, German crowds, Japanese crowds. I want to feel the love and excitement wrestling once gave me. And goes on to say that he does not – basically, he doesn't want to just be sitting back earning a paycheck and – or collecting a paycheck and not feeling like he's earning it. So uh, I have reached out to WWE. They have not uh, – updated uh, what his status is with the company. The key here being he requested his release. He did not state he was granted his release. Um, I have no reason to believe this is not legitimate. I know that's kind of where everything always goes in pro wrestling. This sounds very legitimate, and he is certainly not the first to do this. And to mixed results, if you want to look at the example earlier this year of Sean Spears, he did this publicly. He was granted his release. When it came to Luke Harper, he was shelved for a number of months, then came back with a moderate push that he was involved with, uh, being paired with Eric Rowan. I I cannot fathom WWE releasing this guy. He just signed a new deal that was reported uh, by Fightful at the time to be for five years. Um, so I don't know if this guy's just simply, uh, he has nothing else to lose, so he's going for this. But I I just don't see him getting his release. Do you see any different? I do not. Um, and But, you know, that doesn't make this, you know, not interesting to dissect because I feel like it's – I'm really curious, you know, what, what is behind the mindset of the person tweeting this out and, and you know, um, what, what led to this because it, you can certainly think of it as some, some type of power play. And if you're Mike Kanellis, what do you really have to lose, right? Can – you're already in, I would say, one of the worst – you can definitely argue whether or not being in this current cuck storyline is better than having no storyline at all. Um, and so if you're in a position <laughs> that's like, like that, uh, that's like arguing, uh, do you want the gunshot or do you want the knife wound? Yeah, I mean, you know, either way, he's not wrestling. And that's what it sounds like he wants to do. But uh, so if you're in a position like that, I mean, do you go ahead and release a statement like this so that you can get the audience behind you? Uh, so that maybe the company would feel pressure to 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 push uh, to release you, or if not, get them to push you, um, because you you are putting the position the company in a position where they can potentially look like bullies by retaining you, uh, even though you're you know basically put into the storyline. It, it's also the next time they decide to write Mike Bennett in one of these cuck storylines. Will you will they be opening themselves up to more complaints, knowing that hey, this performer clearly does not want to be a part of this. So at the very least, does it put an end to that story? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, all, all this is speculation, but of course, like I, I find it fascinating to think about what what is going through the performer's mind when they are tweeting something like this. Obviously, of course, the company can just put him on ice for the next four and a half years. Now, that would probably be for his career the the worst thing. Um. Now, at the same time, it might also end the storyline. So, is it the worst thing? I don't know, but um, I don't, I don't see him getting released either. No, uh, I don't see that happening. I think this is a guy that's looking at it. What do I have to lose by doing this? I'm already in a humiliating storyline. It's not like things are going to get worse. It's not like I'm going to get less TV time. I've already got minimal. I mean, he was just on 205 Live on Friday, so mm-hmm. it's not like this guy's been completely uh, just just vanished. Uh, 
the Mike and Maria angle, it just seems it would come and go based on the week. There's weeks it would be focused on, and then weeks it's forgotten. This week, it was forgotten. Um, of course, also no mention that Maria has asked for her release either. Uh, I don't even know if that's how that would work with her being out due to pregnancy. So No, this is only centering on, on Mike Bennett. Mm-hmm. So this was only uh, focused on, on him. And, you know, I... I, I just I just don't see this really going anywhere. Like I think he's probably trying to put that that pressure on them. But how much pressure was there really on the company when they weren't using Luke Harper? Um, that there was none. And I think that they're probably thinking that hey, we didn't think any of these guys were going to be anything. And look at guys that we've let out of their deals that have gone on to be important. We've just signed this guy. It's it's tough. Like you can you can sympathize to a point with somebody upset, but it's like but you he also, just he, you just signed a deal he saw, in June. Yeah, in certainly. June, like you had an open an open door to walk out of a couple of months ago, and you signed for what was probably a really great deal, and that's kind of what you're bound by. Just several months into the deal, it's yeah. I mean, that's just kind of what it is. You've you've signed a deal. Yeah, I, and the reaction that I've seen online in various places has kind of ranged, you know, from uh, clear sympathy if you're somebody who, you know, typically sides with performers and maybe has read the statement, but a lot of people arguing, you probably shouldn't have signed, and this is how contracts work. You aren't necessarily going to like the role that you're, you've been given, but nonetheless, you're legally bound to, you know, um, I guess, perform the, the task that, that is asked of you, so... Uh, is this going to work out for, for Mike Bennett? I, I'm really not too sure. Though, you know, we've seen people complain publicly in the past and in, in the form of somebody like Leo Rush, and he certainly ended up in, you know, a much better role right now. So I, I feel like to to satisfy everybody involved, clearly Vince McMahon has nothing he wants to do with this character other than to humiliate him. So why don't you put him in NXT? You know, give him a second life. Like, hopefully make him happy again, Uh, you know? And prove that maybe this will be Hunter's project, you know, to prove that he can turn somebody that was neglected on on the main roster into something potentially a bit more valuable. Yeah, potentially. Um, you know, you you can't just take everyone though that's unhappy and move them to NXT. Nor can you, True. I, I think, set this precedent that anyone that complains, I, I don't think they want to set that that you that we will let people out of their contract just because they're unhappy and might feel they can make money elsewhere. I don't I don't think they want to be sending that. Uh, that message out. And I think that's been pretty clear over the last few months. Uh, NXT, it's, you know, there's, there's certain reclamation projects you can have, um, but that's ultimately, there's only a few of those. And if you're looking at different options, I don't even know if Mike Bennett is maybe at at the top of your list that you're going to be able to take. So, you know, there's, there's probably going to be more situations like this. It's a real fascinating time in the industry. Um, You know, just, just looking at guys that can, they 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 watch AEW. They see all the stuff that they're doing, or in New Japan, or even seeing something as small as NWA and saying, "Wow, that looks like a lot of fun." And I mean, Bennett was there with Billy Corgan, with David Lagana in TNA at that time. So, um, you know, you just look at it of the grass being greener elsewhere. If you're not in a real pushed role in WWE, it's a great time to be a talent that's not bound by a contract right now because you can go out, you can make good money, and you can be really satisfied with your career without needing WWE. But Mike Bennett, I think he saw the lay of the land 
because he had two years, two and a half years before this deal came up that he signed for an extension. Like I look back in June, it's, it's not like Mike Bennett was coming into this without his eyes wide open to what his lot was in this company. I can't be too stunned of where he's progressed in signing that new deal. But yeah. maybe he was expecting something more with the fact they were willing to commit to him for five years and he was going to get a lot more focus on once he signed that deal and hasn't felt like he has. Well, they focused on him. I just They have. You're right. Uh, I just there, don't know has... if it's the type of focus he, he or his wife expected. So, um, yeah, one, one to watch with Mike Bennett. And it'll be interesting if WWE even comments on his status and even uh, addresses this situation. Uh, the final number for Friday Night SmackDown is in, and they did 2,877,000 viewers last Friday night, down 26% in overall viewers. The silver lining is that they still won the night among all network programming when it came to adults 18 to 49. They did a 1.0 in that number, which appears to be the target that they are trying to hit. Um, down from last week, but did do a 1.0. Uh, they also won the night among adults... 25 to 54. Actually, they tied it with uh, CBS's programming and then were tops among adults 18 to 34. Um, does the level of drop significantly concern you, Way Was it anticipated given how big the star power was for week one? Or do you think that this is um, a cause for concern given that this was uh, this was the draft and it was week two? I don't know if I'm in a position to really answer it. I don't exactly know what the expectations for the show are from Fox. Um, I I certainly feel like the drop was more than I personally expected. But, I mean, look at the show that they presented. I just, I don't know if, if they were expecting that show to really garner anything that would would have been competitive with what came on the day prior. or the week I'm more prior. concerned about this week's show. Right. Because there's nothing promoted for this week's show. They promoted Cain Velasquez will be on the show and Bailey will address the audience. But you're this is as a by the numbers SmackDown as we've had so far. With uh, unless they do something big this week to set up something for Friday, um, they're kind of just going into this like, what is your baseline interest level for a Friday night episode of SmackDown without anything major promoted? No stars attached. Yeah, yeah. I think it also remains to be seen, you know, what the Friday burn might be, you know, how, how much drop that might, uh, like, because certainly I see people making a, a, an effort to see The Rock and maybe even making an effort to see the draft, but with nothing on this third week that seems all that enticing at the moment, um, it could be very different. Do, do you sense any kind of interest just coming off of the draft for SmackDown? Like, that's that's... No, really it. It's not at all. Uh, the rosters now being separated. So if I if people weren't necessarily that, I mean, how, however many people were interested to see the roster at full capacity. If you're telling them that you're going to see half of these people, I don't know if that'll necessarily attract too many new viewers, at least. Kane Velasquez was on Ariel Hawani show on Monday, uh, and I listened to this. Did you hear any of this way? Did not. So here are some notes from Cain Velasquez on the show. He said that WWE is allowing him to do one more date with AAA. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Didn't state when. He was, of course, supposed to do the October 13th show, which was yesterday, that ended up getting canceled in LA. But looks like he will get to do one more AAA date. Um, 
He confirmed his retirement from MMA, but never say never. When asked about his knee and pending surgery, he says right now he's not worried about his knee, and Stone Cold Steve Austin wore a knee brace. Uh, He's going to split his time between Orlando and San Jose. Said he's going to be going to San Jose to uh, check up on Dominic in the near future. And it was San Diego. Uh, well, he said he was going back and forth between Orlando and San Jose and yeah. that he'd be popping up to go check on Dominic to see how he's he doing. He actually said that? Dude, <laughs> it was really hard. I was surprised that Ariel could still talk after this interview after biting his tongue for some of these comments. Dude, he was like, why did you go to WWE? He was like, when I saw what Brock did to Ray and Dominic and just I needed to – uh I needed to address this, and he talked about this Brock Lesnar uh, fight. It's the rematch. He wanted this rematch, and it was just, again, know your audience, know the room. This was not the kind of outlet to be doing, like, pro wrestling pro wrestling shtick on. It was, like, you can be a pro wrestler and go on an MMA show on ESPN and talk about it intelligently, but this was just silly. Very, very silly stuff. The Brock stuff being real. He's going to check on Dominic. Uh, and he confirmed no mask in WWE. He will not be wearing a mask. Didn't think so. Yeah. So those were the notes there. But yeah, very curious what the odds are for this yeah. big rematch. Yeah. There were actually will be odds for this. They will be out. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, final one. This is just a small one. But um, n- not to, not tomorrow night's episode of AEW Dark, but the following weeks, uh, they're bringing in Taz to Philadelphia this week to be a guest commentator for Dark next week. Uh, how do you think Taz is going to fare? I, I kind of like this do, idea. I think he'll do really well. You know, we we know uh, his uh, his aptitude and sort certainly his confidence uh, on the microphone as of late and also uh, in the past, of course. So I think he'll he'll be really good. I'm really curious to hear him, I guess, with, you know, maybe some of these more modern acts. How knowledgeable is he? I mean, on his podcast, I believe he's been watching every single week. So I think he uh, he he probably will know a, a lot of the current storylines. I'm, I'm quite curious to hear. Whenever Taz would get it would have, you know, one of the, you know, a Smackdown six or, a, you know, calling a Kurt Angle match or something like that, when he could just zero in, I thought he was really, really good. And he had to mix in, like, the comedy and stuff, especially in TNA. But I'm really curious to see what kind of style Taz has because I think it, if if people are – it's been a while since he's called wrestling. It's been a long time since he left TNA. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing this next week. Like, that's a kind of incentive to watch Dark next week, at least for me. I suppose my, my question is, you know, how many more roles yeah. do they have for announcers and on-air talent at eight? There's a lot of guys, yeah. It looks like they're just going to have a rotation of – Different, you know, whether it be interviewers or broadcasters, knowing the fact it's, it feels like Alex Marvez has kind of been phased out as one of them. He does backstage things for, for Webb, at least. Right, yeah. But in terms of commentary, it looks like he's out of that rotation. Yes, right. Which I think is the right call. Monday Night Raw from the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado. Was there speculation that CM Punk was going to come to the Pepsi Center? Big return? Not for me. The only reason I would have loved for it to happen was because I'd have an easy show title. Which would be what? Draft Punk. That's excellent. I figure I'll, we'll never get to use it again because there's not going to be another draft for a long time. That's so excellent. There you go. We started off the show with a video of Rollins and The Fiend with the 
it was funny. It was as though we were coming off of Hell in a Cell based on how they uh, aired this video to start the show mm-hmm. and then focusing on the attack on SmackDown. It's like this week we're choosing to remember that this Hell in a Cell match existed. Yeah. And again, uh, you can I think it's you can wonder and speculate whether or not last week's was was a concerted effort to ignore it or if it was just simply due to the Bray injury that they couldn't. But um, it was certainly different this week than last. Yeah. And Bray, you know, last week we we had finished the show and he ended up he did come out for that dark match segment. So at some point during that day, like for him to do that dark match segment would have meant at some point later in the day he was cleared to do that. And then he did work uh, house shows over the weekend as well. So he is now all good to go. However, Sasha Banks is not. They had promoted throughout uh, SmackDown and over the weekend that Becky Lynch would take on Sasha Banks and the winning, the the winner would get the first pick in the draft with Becky from Raw, Sasha from SmackDown. And then Monday afternoon, they announced Charlotte would be replacing Sasha, who is not medically cleared. So obviously a case where I guess they were confident that she was going to get cleared today and obviously did not. And they just had to do the switch and there was no Sasha on this show. Does it concern you about Sasha Banks? I mean, I would – I'm hoping it's just a case that they thought she would be okay by Monday and they're just being precautious and w- weren't confident that she should be back soon. Like that's mm-hmm. – that would be the hope, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah, I mean the fact that they expected her for this show I think seems to suggest that hopefully it wouldn't take that much longer for her to, to actually get back and maybe, you know, uh, sometimes it's better to be safe than, than sorry, of course. So uh, Becky's out. She cuts a promo that Sasha's always trying to avoid her and she can never get rid of Charlotte. But it's always been a war between them and she's going to rip her arm off. So Charlotte came out and said maybe she'll get drafted to Raw tonight and they can fight forever. And then Charlotte says she wants to be friends again. She misses her. But then she nails Becky and they fight and they are separated before we start the match. Yeah. Clumsy interview i don't know i thought i thought charlotte's stuff was was pretty fine you know we started the match and charlotte used a head scissors and ran becky's face into the mat this was the spot that velvet sky would always do in impact flair is in control she's hitting chop she gets kicked off the apron becky misses a baseball slide drop kick goes into the post sets up the commercial break then becky's comeback she gets caught with a boston crab but then she stops charlotte's figure four Misses coming off the turnbuckle and is hit with the natural selection for a two count. Becky then stops a moonsault attempt, tries for the disarmor, but gets knocked into the buckle. And then Flair spears her for a two count, has this exaggerated reaction, and then she starts laughing. And while she's laughing, Becky uses a backslide to pin Charlotte in 13 minutes and 45 seconds. So Raw is going to get the first pick. Yeah, it, it was an interesting finish in that, like, I'm sure, you know, Charlotte is somebody that, you know, is 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 prized and they need to protect. So I guess the way they decided to protect her was to have her lose focus via laughing and thus leading <laughs> to, you know, um, a crucifix pin surprise crucifix pin from Becky that I guess um, you can blame on just like her being in disbelief that it's it's. I, or just getting into a sudden burst of laughter, maybe the same condition that uh, the Joker suffers from. But um, <laughs> good, good TV match, good consistent action. I felt these two worked worked hard, and this week I I was pl- pleased that they gave us a finish for for this draft deciding 
uh, match. There was a pinfall. There, yeah. there was a pinfall here. Charlie goes backstage with Seth Rollins. He brings up Hell in a Cell, and you can hear all of the boos for this reference. He says about the match, I am not proud of it or ashamed of it. Just telling. He says, I was nearly pulled straight to hell last Friday. Yeah, have you been underneath the wrestling ring? Oh, it's terrible. You don't come back. He escaped, but he says, maybe I've been going about it the wrong way by trying to move on with my life. Tonight, I'm going fiend hunting. I'm going to find Bray before the end of the night, and I'm going to end this, and I'm going to burn it down. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone is worried, is if anyone is confused as to why the audience is turning on this guy, please do not blame the fan base when you are getting stuff like this. Yeah, I mean he's it's it's just this is who he is now. So I I hear something like this and it's not really uh, I don't really react all that much anymore. I'm just like oh, there's like my corny friend Seth who like can't help but I don't know just. Sound really, I would say, you know, insincere and also just um, maybe trying a little too hard to to feel like a lead. Um, and I, is it the, do you think it's the writing or is it the performance or is it a bit of both? Because I, I, I don't exactly know how to pinpoint it. Uh, there, there's definitely something to the, 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 the words that he has to, you know. I was nearly pulled straight into hell last Friday with a straight face as well. Um, but a great it's a performer, combination of it. But could a big, great performer make those words work? Uh, I would say no. I cannot picture Steve Austin trying to convey to Charlie in a serious fashion how he was nearly uh, pulled into hell last Friday on SmackDown, on Fox. Um, yeah. It's... I don't know. It's it not just, believable. It, there, there's no connection to me. I don't, like, have any... Kind of like it doesn't make you feel anything other than maybe a little bit embarrassed. They clearly, you know, have had this grand idea of like Seth Rollins taking part in this like metaphysical like storyline where he has to dig into his dark side in order to defeat or at least, you know, um, go to a no contest with uh, this thing that he doesn't know if it, if whether or not is a human or um, but. I just don't think the the acting ability is there, and I really don't think the writing ability is there either to, to pull off something I think this complex for a pro wrestling show. We had more cameos from different uh, personalities from NBC and all of their family of networks, starting off with Jim Cramer, who was hands down the best from Mad Money. He went through different performers. He said, Seth Rollins is a blue chip stock that always produces, so clearly this was pre-taped and Did not see the last segment. Andrade can yield a great return. Ricochet, high risk, high reward. And then uh, Vic Joseph thanked uh, John Kramer for his uh, analysis. (laughs) Dude, Vic had a rough night tonight. He had a lot of slip-ups. I found them pretty noticeable. These uh, NBC Universal personalities I thought were so much better than anything that we saw on Fox. I mean, all the writing, I would say, on these ones often felt very clever not only tied into, of course, the personalities themselves, but also I thought made much more current reference to the roster rather than, you know, getting like, uh, I don't know, ex-football player talking about who his f- favorite 
wrestler from like 30 years ago was. Do, do you think it helped that primarily this was the entertainment division versus Fox where it was a lot yes. more of the kind of the, the sports personalities that yeah. I think had a lot harder time kind of just letting their guard down and embracing the silliness that is a WWE promo spot? Yes, I would say so. Because even like uh, on, on this particular show, some of the NBC sports personalities, I mean, they weren't obviously not as big as somebody like Jim, Jim Cramer. Uh, but I would say, like, I feel like this week, it it seemed like a lot of these segments, at least to me, felt like they had a level of, like, production from the WWE attached to it themselves. At least people informing, or maybe even their own writers going out there and, say, and saying, you know, okay, talk about this guy, Ricochet, he's the high flyer. He's the, oh, how about high risk, high reward? Perfect. It's brilliant. Really, really Jim clever. Kramer was awesome in this. I, I thought he yeah, was no, the her, best her, her, of either show. Yeah, his writers, whoever, because like, I, I doubt Jim Kramer himself is, is like, analyzing Ricochet to this level but like i thought it was really well done certainly better than what they did on fox how about the war room segments tonight where they were all the same video same outfits it was the same videos yeah. they were I, I i didn't mind them on friday i i found tonight it was i don't know they were i, I had such a different reaction tonight to them I didn't mind them either. Um I, I know a lot of people complain that they seem over the top goofy and I certainly agree. I thought that was entertaining, though, to an extent. Um, and I guess I I just sort of saw the draft as somewhat goofy anyway. But if you're trying to portray this week, though, it was especially goofy because I think anybody who saw SmackDown realized that these were the same people in the very same outfits, same like the same videos, period, I feel. So it, it, it certainly made it even more of a mocking, I think. Uh, that was it. Segment. That That was what it came out of. It felt like. This is our programming, but this is like the punchline of our portfolio, WWE. And mm -hmm. it just felt when you're going from the war room to Stephanie, and it's like, this is this is really campy. Oh, yeah. Um, you might as well, like, throw a laugh track underneath it, you know? And I, I don't know if they were going for camp or not. I mean, certainly, like, if you look at the way the, the acting or, or just the, the reactions were in these videos, of course, with the robot, I feel like they were going for camp. But I I certainly don't think that was that was necessary or, or the best way of going about it. I, I would, I would have just said not to use them at all. Well, but by, by the time they, they drafted Jinder Mahal over Rey Mysterio, they were definitely going for punchlines. Oh my God. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into these picks. Stephanie is our MC once again to read all the picks. So our first round consists of Seth Rollins going to raw SmackDown picks Brock Lesnar. Raw chooses Charlotte Flair SmackDown picks all three members of the New Day, and Raw picks Andrade with Zelina Vega. So clearly a spotlight here to put Andrade amongst this class of uh, top-tier performers. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that was the focus of the first round here. Yeah, no, no real big surprises here. No, and I don't really think... Or, or maybe, did, did you see Charlotte going to Raw? Was that a surprise? It was not a surprise, um, given the fact they, that they she... They teased it pretty hard over this last little bit, that... Yeah, and yeah. with the title loss, it seemed likely. Yeah, to me, it was the title loss that probably cemented it. And maybe if you were, you know, studying the list and assuming that maybe the order that you saw uh, was somehow... Uh, it was the same as this, but only up until maybe the third pick, I feel. So it was a very different order this week than what they did in the press release. But yeah, yeah, I've not, no, no surprises, really. Also very clear throughout tonight that they... Do not want to be separating any couples on the road. Oh, yeah. Renee Young, Booker T, Beth Phoenix, and Samoa Joe were on the panel again. And then Andrade comes out with Zelina Vega 
And Zelina starts cutting a promo on Becky, calling her one of the horse faces before correcting herself and said that the first round draft picks were lucky to be drafted alongside Andrade. So it's going to be interesting to watch him because it felt tonight like he is in line for a major push coming out of tonight. Sure. Yeah. And I wonder if there's anything with Selena and um, one of the horsewomen. Wouldn't that be interesting? I I thought that that's where her promo was going to cut a promo on Charlotte as well, which mm. would have been funny. Uh, Vega, it's, it's Andrade versus Ali. And Zelina Vega tries to distract on the apron. Jerry Lawler asks if there's any relation between Andrade and race car driver, former race car driver, Mario Andretti. God. Dio Madden has no idea who this man is. It is met with the most uncomfortable silence that I don't think I would have ever he made did, this He joke. didn't know who Mario Andretti was? Dio Madden, I don't think, knew who Mario Andretti was. I mean, it sounded cringeworthy from both ends, but... (laughs) Okay. It was so bad. (laughs) We get breaking news. Breaking news, everyone. Bray Wyatt has promised a new episode of the Firefly Funhouse tonight. Lawler. (laughs) Dude, he... (laughs) Lawler was just winging it tonight. Hey, Vic, tell me again about how does this work? Why does Raw get three picks and SmackDown gets two? (laughs) And they have to explain it to him on the fucking air. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I'm sure a lot of people watching were wondering the same thing. I mean, they did did do the graphic at the beginning of the night to explain all this stuff. It doesn't hurt to repeat it, though. You know? I know what you mean. It kind of makes them them sound a little bit silly, like when their own commentator doesn't know what the rules are. Um... It is somewhat, you know, I think it does somewhat bear repeating, though. Lawler as Art Donovan could have been very endearing on this show and just asking questions because there were mm-hmm. a lot of questions I was asking throughout this show. Yeah. Andrade did the Minoru Suzuki armbar, uh, then a flying knee misses into the corner. Vega then blocks a dive by Ali. So Ali then dives over top of her with a Topekan hero to the floor. That got a good reaction, but then he turns around. Vega comes off the apron with a Hurricane Rana to Ali, sends him into the ring, and Ali takes the Hammerlock DDT to win the match in 5 minutes, 49 seconds. Big things coming for Andrade. I cannot say the same for Ali. No, it doesn't seem like Boy, I, Jim Cramer would not be issuing a bye on Ali. Though you never really... I don't know. I don't think this particular show first. It's an indicator for some talents of of maybe the push that they'll get. But I I I wouldn't completely maybe shut the door on on a potential alley push if he was. What is he on? Raw or SmackDown? Um, I'm actually looking on it. Uh, was he drafted tonight? Yes, last week. Was drafted last week. He was drafted to SmackDown tonight. Oh, he's on SmackDown. Okay. Yes, he's on SmackDown. Well. Um, Maybe I'm a little less hopeful. <laughs> I would say on Raw, like under Heyman, potentially he, he could have a bit of a spot. But on SmackDown with a, a, a less hour, and I mean, this might just really be his role to put over other people. But he, again, you never really know. You never really know what, what can change in a few months. Um, I thought the match was okay. I think, you know, as you, you'll see maybe from a lot of these matches, like on Friday, because I think the roster is sort of in a suspended state, you're not really getting to see that much story building. So a lot of these matches were, were just matches for the sake of matches or or title, title like quick title programs. Second round of the draft. Going to Raw, 
the Kabuki Warriors. SmackDown gets Daniel Bryan, Rusev to Raw, Bailey, your women's champion, to SmackDown, and Aleister Black to Raw. Kind of surprised, like, it took SmackDown that long to, like, draft their own champion. Um, um, They still had not drafted the tag champions. Raw had. I guess they were pretty confident that nobody would take them. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, a lot of the champions were left to the later rounds. Nakamura hadn't been drafted yet, I don't think. Or if did you... he go last week? He went last week. I don't no. know, dude. No, no, no. He went tonight. He went tonight. He yes. went in the next round. Because if you remember, I believe like in the 2016 draft, like it, they, they made some effort to make sure that all the champions were drafted first because I think, in theory, your champions are the best guys, right? Not anymore. No. These champions, like some of them came off like total putzes in this draft. Yeah. Um, They explained that the WWE women's tag titles can still be defended on both shows, but when Asuka and Kairi Sane lose, they're property of Raw. So that's the answer to that question. I appreciate the explanation because they didn't have to do that. Michael Che and Colin Jost. Uh, this one sucked. Just a terrible litany of jokes from Colin Jost about Braun Strowman. I thought this was great. Oh, I, I it was hilarious. This. Well, um, again, I, th- I thought very representative of the performers. And of, of course, with these two making reference to, you know, the, 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 the WrestleMania, um, contributions that these two had and i i, Dude, I colin couldn't even remember when he did wrestlemania he's like when i did wrestlemania last year did it like six months ago oh yeah hmm. just feels that long ago then we got our big raw tag title match the undrafted the undrafted champions dolph ziggler and bobby Roode defending against the viking raiders who were drafted well does it not make sense though to see whether or not they came out with the belts before deciding to draft them because if you Wait, did, if somebody did draft aren't, aren't them, they aren't they the best tag team because they have the titles <laughs> evidently not i guess maybe they're judging by records i mean they've already got the viking raiders you're running the risk of they could lose and then none of this was explained can smackdown have two sets of tag champions no idea that sounds like too way too deep a question for this draft Ivar hits a dive onto Root immediately. They double-team Ziggler. Um, they got the heat, clipping Eric's knee, and then a zigzag dropped Eric onto a bunch of chairs on the floor. Then uh, they mentioned the fact that the Viking Raiders were drafted to Raw. Um, so that's where the tag titles will go if they win them. The hot tag is made to Ivar. I felt like Ivar got like multiple hot tags in this match. It seemed like we were just going through different sequences multiple times. There was a clothesline to Ziggler. He picked up the crowd when he did his big comeback. Uh, but then they did the Spinebuster zigzag combo to Eric and a super kick, glorious DDT to Eric. Ivar makes the save, and then Ivar hit this awesome handspring double elbow to both that set up the Viking experience, and they pinned Dolph Ziggler in 11 minutes, four seconds, as the Viking Raiders win the titles and are undefeated. Yeah, perhaps the reason that you saw maybe two hot tags from Ivar because I thought it was the thing that got the loudest reaction in this match, and... Maybe, you know, I it, it, it's it's a tough match, I think, for people to get behind because the Viking experience haven't necessarily established that great of a connection at all yet with the audience. And, I mean, it's the tag team championships that nobody really cares that much about a team chasing to win anyway. But I thought they did a good job grabbing this crowd, you know, for a match where I, it felt like people didn't care that all that much when they started. But great comebacks from the Viking Raiders in particular, 
uh, Ivar managed to lift this crowd. Part of me wishes maybe they had a bit more of a chase before winning the belt, but as a monster tag team, not as much of a chase to be had. So you can really just, it seems like this is a bit of a clean slate for the division with them at, at the at the lead, and they could just take on and, and defend it against everybody. Yeah, it, w- it was a decent match. Uh, I thought that Ivar was the star of this, but I, I enjoy Ziggler and Rude. They... They weren't given a whole lot during this tag run, but I think they tried to make this team work with a lot of their uh, double team ideas, and they just they were never put in a position to get over during this whole last month that they had these titles. It was just they barely got any promo time. It was just these guys were keeping the belts warm. Mm-hmm. Then we checked in with the uh, the NHL crew: uh, Catherine Tappan, Keith Jones, and Jeremy Roenick. And they compared Seth Rollins to Connor McDavid, and what a great line the New Day would make. Yeah, of of the ones that have appeared thus far, maybe this was the the, the biggest stretch of all of them. But I I give them points for the effort. I was waiting for one of them to bring up the Legion of Doom line. Hmm. Yes, that's right. The Flyers. Yes. Vikings promo. They're. They said that it's one thing to win these titles, another to defend them, and we are the first team to be undefeated that have won the IWGP, ROH, NXT, and Raw Tag Championships. Yeah, that's a fact. Certainly. I think the mention of, like, the other titles and, you know, promotions, perhaps meant to be one of those kind of, like, moments that are, are meant to legitimize them as like a real tag team legitimize you i think also maybe a bit of a a way to like be like oh my god i can't believe that he said that can you believe that to show you that these guys aren't bullshitters which i think is a really good move you know i i would love to hear these two talk more and uh certainly you don't want to see them wrestle more if you go back when when paul Heyman replaced jerry lawler on commentary back in 2001 the first night Heyman's on commentary, and Benoit comes out. He's putting over all of his, like, New Japan mm. accolades and stuff. And it's just, to me, it always makes the wrestler feel bigger that, oh, they, they've they won stuff in other organizations. We're not so scared to say three letters or four four letters that are somehow not ours. I think it makes the performers come off more legitimate when you can list off accolades that the the audience takes as real. Yeah, I don't think that there was any mention of like the ROH championship. Maybe they mentioned IWGP. I'm not sure, but I I, I really don't remember much of um, promotion of of that fact before in, in the commentary. Yeah, we had um, when Akira Tozawa got drafted tonight. One of his uh, attributes on the board was graduating from the Dragon Gate Dojo. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, that was oh, listed interesting. there. Uh, so the next round, Cedric Alexander to Raw. Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion, to SmackDown, along with Sami Zayn, who's just the hanger-on now. Umberto Carrillo to Raw, Ali to SmackDown, and Eric Rowan to Raw. Yeah, which splits him up from uh, Daniel Bryan and Eric... uh, Wait, um, Roman Reigns? Reigns and Bryan are on SmackDown. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if Harper got drafted. He did not as of yet. Uh, I guess he would be a free agent. Technically, at the moment, as we're yes. recording this, they must. So, be re- so Luke Harper and Cesaro did not get picked among all these people we're going to list tonight. 
Yeah, the Cesaro one is really interesting because I mean that has to be some storyline. Yeah. You would think. You would think. Well, they did the supplementary draft, of course, and Cesaro was left out as well as a Shorty Gable. So you would assume that maybe they have other plans for them because uh, Gable mentioned... got drafted tonight. What? I thought he was a part of the the other draft. He I mean, was. You're right. But then he got drafted tonight. Oh, that's really strange. Well, I mean, Cesaro did get a match at Crown Jewel against Mansoor, so maybe he he got drafted to another country. Um, anyway, so they must also be really high on Humberto Carrillo to feature him this high up. Certainly, yep, yeah. yep. I think they definitely see him as a big babyface star that can appeal to a a wide uh, a wide array of people. Um, so yeah, obviously there. Did you take any? Any solace in the fate of 205 Live from tonight's picks? There were there were quite a number that got drafted away. I don't even know what makes up 205 Live now without, you know, you've got, like, like who's left? Yeah. Brian Kendrick? Is this going to be Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher on this show every week? <laughs> or and Tony uh, Nese? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I wonder if they even really know what's going on with 205 Live. Um, if they want to continue it, of course, they have plenty of people at the, at the Performance Center they can they can bring up. Um I, I don't exactly know what it means for, for some of these guys because a Mike lot of... Bennett, we're giving you your own show every <laughs> week. <laughs> like guys like Ali and, and Cedric have, have spent a lot of time on the main roster. I would say to varying res- degrees of, of uh, success, um, but it's for all of them. They've all felt like pushes that have had a ceiling that, that's been relatively low um, because like Cedric, I feel like ended... Is he Was he in the midst of a push or no? Was that done? He was involved in the AJ feud, and they're both still on Raw. I don't know if they'll revisit that or not. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, judging by tonight's uh, the match, uh, the match he had tonight, I, I I'm not sure if he ends up being that mystery partner for the Street Profits. You could uh, inject him there, so huh. he's still attached to AJ. Um, sure, is that a big that enough? Feels... Do people want to see the Cedric AJ program anymore? Um. Probably not high on everyone's priority list. Hmm. Alistair Black, Eric Young. Alistair's out of his room. He hit the quebrada, and then he goes for the Black Mass, and Young just ducked and went to the floor. He tried to snap Black's uh, throat on the top rope, but then uh, Black just nailed him with a flying knee and applied his, his submission, which is now being called the Dark Ritual, at a minute 40 as Eric Young submitted. The dark ritual. Yeah. Uh, it was nice to see Eric Young wrestle on Raw for a brief period. I thought he made Aleister Black look really good. So That's what he's there for. Yeah. Impressive squash match, I thought, for Aleister Black, you know, after a few weeks of this. I think he suddenly starts to feel pretty cool and pretty, like a real hot prospect again. So, yeah. I mean, the guy's a Heyman project. He's, I was not surprised at all this was the show he ends up on and i could see you know i felt that after this show on raw they were really trying to push raw as being the show that is focused on the future they said that numerous times and i would say of the people to watch i would say alistair black and andrade would be near the top and i think umberto carrillo would be one that they may try and put in kind of that role ricochet was in for a long time uh as someone that they're going to introduce to a younger audience that they have high hopes will get over as a as a baby face yeah that's cool that's a cool way of of maybe distinguishing it you know you leave maybe the more established names on smackdown while you 
I guess, build on, on the show with a bit less visible visibility. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I mean, I'm looking at the actual rosters and that fact I would say is, is debatable. There's, there's a few on, on raw, but it's um, like raw's got Randy Orton. They've got, you know, Rey Mysterio. It's pretty even all told. Then we move on to the next round. Raw selects Buddy Murphy. SmackDown chooses Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Then Raw chooses Jinder Mahal. Yeah. Former champion. Former champion Jinder Mahal. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Uh, many reasons why. You, you way would, would look at the fate of your show, and you would you would take the... The scouting notes on Rey Mysterio, compare them to Jinder Mahal, and you'd say, you know what, 2017, that was an underrated year. We're going with Jinder. Well, honestly, none of that makes any sense, you know, seeing who was in round five, who, uh, who, like, in storyline, if we're going to go by that, like, and not maybe, like, work rate or star rating, I mean, King Corbin just won King of the Ring. So, I think you can make that. Like, why in storyline wouldn't you have Ray higher or King Corbin higher? Like, what is what is the point of not? Okay, let me argue for Ray. Win loss record, but I can't with King Corbin. I can't necessarily make that argument. He just won a big tournament. What does Gender won? Uh, um, what has he won? Well, maybe the scouting report says he's been training really hard. Well, you you can't you can't knock training. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Ray's is you know the guy's got the the stem cell treatments. There's that. Um, he's injured, of course. They did make mention of that that you know injuries might lower people's uh, ranking, and that's what that was their explanation for Samoa Joe. Ray, of course, is also injured from from the attack. Um, <laughs> you you would not draft Joe's got a broken thumb. You know this is just too risky. He may not come back. But Jinder's Jinder's injured too. So Jinder's been out for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dude. This is everyone's going to think we're we're trying to like really nitpick here. This is like the difference between when people really get into stuff and you can present stuff as, like fantasy sports and people will get into it versus not having the attention to little details like this that it's a house of cards and everything falls apart and you just you can't get uh invested in something because you you don't create any interest with it. Like every year, if you want to come up with one concept that wrestling fans get into every year, it's a Royal Rumble pool because they make all these it's it's just a fun thing to do. And if they screwed with that one year and they just decided, you know what, we're not going to tell anyone. We're going to we're going to have 20 people that come in. And you know what? We're not going to book a winner at the end of it either. And we're going to just Take away the structure that we've created that create all these these fantasy scenarios. We're going to screw around with all of that, and no one's going to care the next year because you've ruined it. I got it. YouTube hits. That's why they wanted gender. I would love that. That should have been one of the points on on his board when it came up. <laughs> Big on YouTube, still working on how to monetize this. 
The Street Profits are backstage. They've now got Raw graphics. No hey, more NXT. Uh, did we finish the drafts? Cause... No, we didn't. We forgot about Carmella. She's going to SmackDown, and R-Truth is going to Raw. They broke up the fictional couple to keep the real couple together. Yeah, and the, the announcers made sure to mention that uh, one of their broadcast partners will be really happy about it. So they've been really driving the, the Graves-Carmella relationship pretty hard, as, as, as it's been uh, conveyed on Total Divas this season as well. Yes, which they do have to remind you because nobody is watching Total Divas that would be aware that they're dating. Well, I am. Are you? I'm still watching it, yeah. Oh, wow. You're in a very exclusive club. Oh, I know. Um, So they didn't explain the 24-7 title. Does it, like, if it's not being defended on both shows, it needs to be renamed? Mm, okay. What would you name it? Say, like... 12, 3.5. Well, it won't be, it won't be defended on Fridays. Um, it can be defended. It wouldn't be going to the, the SmackDown house shows. So, but it is defended on Fridays, like wherever our truth goes. It It is def- defended uh, at, uh, raw house shows. If they take place on a Friday. Uh, you, you could do that. You're right. There, there could be, uh, technically a title defense. Yeah, but they, I mean, but they haven't been. Do, they didn't do. They haven't been doing house shows since they've started on Fox, right? I mean, I, I don't think the twenty four seven title needs to be exclusive to any brand, other than the time that you know, um, like to me, I, I feel like a great time to to exchange it would be at a joint event at a pay per view, and then you give it to SmackDown for a bit. You could do that. I thought the robot was going to win it on this show. Cletus, Ooh, yeah, or or uh, Jim Cramer. That would be great. The Street Profits get confronted by the OC. AJ doesn't understand why they were drafted on Raw. They are already here. Enjoy the niche you've carved out. And then they got into a big fight, and the Street Profits got laid out. I'm, I've been waiting for the Street Profits to finally get their first program, and this seems to be a really good start. You know, the OC are out of title contention at the moment, but I think this is a really great first challenge for, for the Street Profits, and very likely a... a a first win for the Street Profits as well. This is a, a great team for the Street Profits to be paired with. Um, I, I would put these teams on the road every single night. And in particular, Montez Ford getting to work with AJ Styles, the more the better. Because yeah. I see so much potential for Montez Ford that that would be a great um, learning experience for Montez Ford to just be booked in every city with the OC, specifically AJ. Mm-hmm. Ricochet and Shelton Benjamin was next, but before that, we got an insert promo from Ricochet. Oh and God. Way, did you happen to see he's got a new shirt? I did see. Superheroes are, the letter R, real. Well, I wish he flipped the R backwards, because then he'd, he could be a Toys R Us kid. If I've learned anything in life, it's that no one is forced to be a passenger in life. You... And only you are the driver of your own destiny. Yeah, what a... Anyway. I thought this was a subliminal message because later we got an ad that uh, Mike Bennett is going to be on Ride Along tonight. Oh, huh. Lawler is asked, which superhero does Ricochet remind you of? Spider-Man, he said without hesitation. Ricochet got pressed in the air. He came down, hit a springboard clothesline, standing shooting star. 
Ricochet gets stopped on top, uh, does a suplex, lands on his feet, and then hit the recoil to win in 444. And Dio Madden says he just proved superheroes are real. <laughs> Did it. This was making the, a really compelling argument. This was the, the 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 his essay on why superheroes are real, and he did it. He proved it. They are real. Breaking news. Wow, wow. <laughs> I just watched this guy, and I'm just thinking about Will Osprey and El Fantasmo. Well, yeah. <laughs> I I thought as a TV match on on Raw, it was pretty good. Uh, I see Ricochet's push pretty much continuing at a similar level. I don't see much changing for him. Do you like him being on Raw? Yeah, I mean, nothing changes, so... I don't, John, like... I have no opinion about where anybody goes. Wait, nothing... I'm asking these questions just out of, like, habit, and it's like... It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter at all. Like, these rosters, I... I mean, I feel like you've seen the same combinations and I, I personally don't feel like you're, you're seeing that, that many fresh combinations other than for people that haven't been on TV already. People like Aleister Black or people like the Street Profits. But like with Ricochet, he's going to be working with the same group of people, I feel. They did a feature on Tyson Fury and then all of a sudden we're in a spa. Lana is being rubbed. By, by a masseuse. By a masseuse, yes. I, I don't want anyone to get any like uh, dirty thoughts. We we don't want anyone to go there. So the masseuse asks, how do you like it? And she says she likes it harder when she's asked about the pressure. More to come later. Oh, they aired God. an NXT promo. They did promote matches this week. They mentioned Lee and Dijakovic as well as Ciampa in action. But... This is the level that we're going to get on Mondays for NXT. It's like a few promo spots outside of the body of the show. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I'm trying to think, like, what what else they can, they should be doing, you know, in order to really, like, help help the show on Wednesday. Should they be airing clips, like, maybe, like, a highlight package of what you missed on last weekend's or last week's show? Like, what, what would you like to see? In, in a normal setting... I would say promos would be great, but I, I, I don't know how great those would be, to be honest. Mm. Like, I mean videos, like not people cutting promos. Yeah, I I don't know. Like the, the highlight videos, like to me, it doesn't, it, it doesn't quite grab me. I, I think that you have to have some so, kind so of... what uh, can they do? What should they be doing? Well, as I said, I think if you if you were to to hear like a serious interview from Keith Lee, why this match is so important on Wednesday, and then you hear later in the show from Dijakovic, or you show these guys training, like here, these are these two equals. They are giants that can do these unbelievable things to one another, and this is the secret behind how they can do all of this. And on Wednesday, it's their final showdown, and the, this is why it's significant for the winner to to win this match. G- give me sixty seconds of that. Well, that sounds That'd be wonderful. That sounds great. I, I just, I, I, I hope that someday they would even just apply that same concept to their own talent on this very show, because certainly, um, you have a bunch of people on this program on this roster that could benefit from from something like that. So until like they do that for their own raw people, I, I certainly don't see them like devoting that time to, to NXT. 
I just want one guy on this show to tell me about his 93-year-old mother and why he's got to win this match for her. Just give me that. That's specific. Tim Storm. Oh, right. Yes. Back to the spa. (laughs) The masseuse says she can go deeper if Lana wants to. Fuck. Why do I have to recap all this? Lana likes it deeper. So Bobby walks in in a towel. Lashley, not Ewing. And Lashley starts rubbing her. Lana says how Lashley has a gentle touch. Rusev was never that good. And it culminates in in Lana turning over to presumably just get God knows what from Bobby Lashley as they probably have sex in a massage parlor. Man, We never went back to this. There was no culmination of this unless Bobby literally had one. There was no point to this other than Lana in a towel, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not really sure like where, where the punchlines were here. There was nothing like there was no like Rusev cutaway to see this like seething in the locker room. There was no Rusev shows up. There was no even Lashley like making fun of Rusev. There was nothing. There was just like what was what was supposed to be. This is just gratuitous. This was just yeah. let, let's just you know, Lana is is our sexual representation on the show, and this is our idea this week. We'll put yeah. her in a towel, and Bobby touches her. Like, why did they make her say, like, I want it harder, and yes, I like it deeper? Like, what was... Was that supposed to be a gag? Like, was that supposed to... This, this is for the next conference call that they've announced for October 31st. When Vince McMahon will talk about how they're a more sophisticated product than those blood and guts guys on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she likes it deeper. Yeah, it's like he's, they're going to think of a dick. I think I know the clip that Brandon from New Jersey will be clipping for tomorrow on Twitter. Jerry Lawler is in the ring for a contract signing with Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman. Both come out. They're really pushing that Tyson Fury is undefeated. And Strowman says he knows he's undefeated, and he also knows that he has a huge ego. And you're trying to steal WWE's spotlight at the SmackDown premiere, and I will not be used as a stepping stone. In Saudi Arabia, you're stepping into my world, which can certainly be taken out of context. He's going to give Fury his first loss, and he signs the contract. Tyson Fury... Explains he was a fan of Braun's. That's why he was at SmackDown because his family wanted to come see Braun and are constantly asking him what the latest thing Braun Strowman has tipped over. He said, in any ring, I will not be out of my element. I'm going to knock you out. So they stand up. Braun smashes the table. And then Tyson Fury grabs a pen and struggles to snap the pen and then walks away. And what was, can you explain this to me too? Like what, what was Fury supposed to be implying here? I think he was just trying to be funny. Like he was struggling with this tiny pen, like bronze doing this superhuman feat of strength. And Tyson is joking like, oh, I'm struggling with this pen. I don't know what compelled him to do this on television. I mean, um, clearly it was a scripted D- moment, wasn't it? Dio Madden reacted to it like he, like it was... Legit. Did you see what he did to that pen? Yeah, like he didn't say it with a hint of sarcasm. Well, pencil, pencil is is. I mean, have you tried to b- break like a ballpoint pen? 
I mean, I wouldn't. Like, they're really annoying. And if you do, you could risk getting ink all over your hands. Like, it's a stupid idea. But I also learned in this that Dio Madden's range of emotion is the equivalent of Keanu Reeves' facial expressions. Okay. Like, he doesn't have any range. He's very, I think, very green. And the team is is still, um, I mean, three weeks in, very green. So... You're going to have to deal with this, I think, for quite a while. This is quite the contract signing. Do you think uh, ESPN, all the major sports highlights, are going to feature this this pen? Like, this was your ESPN sure. moment, wasn't it? Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, people pick up really stupid things to to put on their news cycle. So, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't give a shit. Mike Canellis is going to be on Ride Along tonight. And... Then we go to the NBC Morning Show crew, including Al Roker. Next round, Raw chooses Samoa Joe. SmackDown picks The Miz. Raw picks Akira Tozawa. SmackDown, King Corbin. Raw, Shelton Benjamin. Shelton Benjamin over Rey Mysterio. Well, yeah. He's not injured. Man, this Over Fox- Chad Gable. Over Elias. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess Elias is injured, too. There's a lot of injuries, aren't there? This Fox um, war room like shot confetti for the Miz. They were saving this confetti throughout the course of this entire thing from Friday to Monday for the Miz in the fifth round. Not for Cesaro. No, they don't. They, want him. They, Raw had a major choice. They had to sit down in their war room and they had to gather around. They said, "Okay, guys, it's our final round coming up, and we only have room for one. So I want everyone, pro or con." I want all the listings here. Are we going with Cesaro? Because it's a hard argument to beat Liv Morgan. Hmm. Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander. Um, This was kind of the match where they were trying to present that this is the future of Raw and this is what Raw is going to be about. Murphy won't shake his hair or shake his hand and said he flings his hair at him, allowing Lawler to joke that his hair gel is motor oil. Something I don't know. I was so I was so tuned out at this point. I'm so glad I never took up smoking because these third hours I would be taking breaks and I would have lung cancer. Yeah, I was done at this point. Murphy landed a flying knee. Tope con hero. They were having a fine match. Cheeky Nando's kick, sit out power bomb for a two count, and then Murphy won with Murphy's law, which means whatever can go wrong does. Okay, well, we shall see. Um, I thought for a third-hour match with, like, two relative unknowns, I thought the crowd's reaction could have been a lot worse than this, so I was pleasantly surprised uh, to see what they did here. I thought it was a good match. And I was also surprised that they gave Murphy the win because, as we've kind of mentioned, Cedric sort of ha- has been one of their projects. Or at least it feels like it, he has been. So to slot- This is how you get a title shot. This is consistent. Yeah, yeah, Cedric. Oh, yeah, shot out of You're this. right. Yeah, he yeah. kept losing. Therefore, he's the number one contenders match. Yeah, so it's it's worked for him in the past. So yeah, this should work as well. Well, Murphy's won, and it's gotten this him nothing. Is, he he didn't learn his lesson after he yeah. beat Daniel Bryan. Look what happened. Right. What a sucker. Moron. Yeah. Murphy's law. Uh, what do we have here? Oh, we get the updates for uh, Crown Jewel in a couple of weeks. So okay, so get this. We're gonna have. New members for Team Flair and Team Hogan. On Team Hogan, it's Rollins, Rusev, and Ricochet. The R's. Okay, yeah. Three R's. They're the three R's in power. 
Yep. Taking on Team Flair. Sorry, does, now- is that different than before? What? Rollins, Rusev, and Ricochet? They hadn't announced Ricochet. Oh, Ricochet okay. was new. Okay. On the Flair side, we previously had Orton and Corbin. Now they've added Bobby Lashley and Nakamura. So all of this shit with Lashley and Rusev, this is our, our first meeting between the two. We'll be at Crown Jewel. Where Lana will not be anywhere near here. Right. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But on top of that, it's going to be a long night for Seth. Because they said he may not even make it to this match because he's taking on The Fiend in a Falls Count Anywhere match. That's right. Double duty. Okay. Well, um... So they're going to do one more match. At least they're doing it there. go their separate ways. Yeah, we'll see. You know, at least they're doing it there and, and not Survivor Series. So, so in this sure. match, I feel like an idiot presuming that we're going to get – someone is going to get pinned in this. Am I being completely insane for thinking that? Mm, it's 50-50. Why? Because what other finish is there than Rollins beating Bray here? Um, a no DQ, a DQ – I don't know. A DQ win for Bray Wyatt, so the title doesn't change hands. Maybe they'll do a no contest in a false count anywhere match. You're right. They could do that. Yeah, sure. The Street Profits are backstage. They cut actually a good promo here. They need a partner against the OC, but they're going to keep it a mystery. Hmm. I think they they did a good job with them on this show. You know, they they convey that these aren't just two fun loving party goers. They are two people who, when pushed, want to fight and can fight. So, thought this was all good. SmackDown promo promoted Cain Velasquez and Bailey for this week's show. And the final round sees Rey Mysterio go to Raw. Titus O'Neil, or sorry, Shorty Gable to SmackDown. As the board comes up, 2012 Olympian, Shorty Gable. Oh, so sad. Titus O'Neil to Raw. Elias to SmackDown. And the final pick, Liv Morgan going to Raw. Yeah, so undrafted at the moment, Drake Maverick. Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, Sarah Logan, The Iconics, Kurt Hawkins, Hawkins and Zack Ryder, Dana Brooke, No Way Jose, Mojo Raleigh, Luke Harper, and AOP, which I was really surprised by. Oh, that's really bizarre. Yeah. And of course, Cesaro and maybe some others that weren't <laughs> listed. But of the people listed, yeah. Like, I'm surprised AOP wasn't drafted. So they go to the panel. Samoa Joe thinks Buddy Murphy was the money pick. Beth Phoenix thought that Baron Corbin was the money pick. And then Booker brought up the rumors of a blockbuster trade that is rumored to take place over the next 24 hours just in time for WWE backstage tomorrow night after the Major League Baseball game on FS1. Amazing how this trade might time itself out. So they look to be doing that sometime on Tuesday. All right. I'm not even going to ask, ask you to make a guess because I have not. Be the, the half of the Kabuki Warriors, Kyrie Sane for Xavier Woods. Makes sense. And the pancakes. And they keep the teams. So you see Kyrie Sane in the New Day. They, they have to assume the roles as well. So it'll right. be Asuka and Woods together. Um, That'll be fun. And, they're both, yeah. they're both uh, uh, YouTubers now. Perfect. And then we could have. Uh, Kyrie in the new day, which I'd love to see would that. actually kind of work. I think I would like to see <laughs> She's that. More so than, happy, more than she their would cur- fit right in. I want to see that more than their current incarnations. Actually, yeah. So there, that's my prediction. Why? Final match: 
the Kabuki Warriors come out, and out come Natalia and Lacey Evans. It was a together. surprise surprise um, partner for Natalia. Yeah. Did they explain it was a surprise partner? Well, Natalia came out and, and she's like, everybody's been wondering wondering who I'm going to pick for my surprise partner. And then out walked Lacey Evans. So she chose this on her own. Yes. Lacey was also drafted to SmackDown. Yeah, they're on two separate shows. So this was Great. one last hurrah. And potentially so, a Lacey Evans babyface turn. Uh, right she pl- worked the whole match as a babyface. This woman got powerbombed off a stage last week. Well, you know, war uh, tends to, you know, make people maybe. This was their Minoru Suzuki Jushin Liger. Yeah. Minus the post-match last week. Mm-hmm. Natalia just walked off and let her die. Has wrestling just passed me by? Am I just am I just too out of it way? No. Does this have to be so. so hard? Well, I think you just if you turned your brain off, it's all fine. I'm trying. I'm really trying to turn my brain off. But I just saw this match for for weeks on end. There's there was no other woman Natalia could team up with. Well, listen, I mean, they were connected, and it's not unprecedented that... As rivals! Can... They hated each yeah, other. But it's Her not name unpre- was literally well, written on a trash can well, last okay, week. Okay, fine. But it's like, fuck off, I'm not teaming But it's you. not unprecedented that two people, after going through a, a big war, end up training together and then end up partnering together. We see this in MMA all the time. Okay, you just added a ton of story there that we did... She just walked out with her. Well, certainly, yes. There's no I, rec- I there was think, no reconciliation. An, I, Give me a goddamn YouTube video. Give yeah. me anything. I think an explanation was certainly in story, a backstage sketch or something. Um, but I guess they opted for the surprise here. And I think they... Stunned. I was stunned. Yeah, they got <laughs> me. I was... Whoa. Oh, my God. You know why I never... I'm so surprised because I never would have predicted this because these two have hated each other. All the, I, It's it's mind-blowing. I can't believe this. Well, listen, this, this match certainly... Um, I think felt that surprise because they really tried to like portray Lacey Evans as like the hot tag baby face. And it really did not. Was this her baby face turn? Is this permanent? Was this the turn? I mean, I don't see why they would do it if she was just just, going to go back to being a heel next week. So the swan song with Natalia and Lacey Evans. Asuka hit these Kawada kicks to Evans. Eventually she tagged in Natalia Natalia had some good stuff in here with Asuka. She knocks Sane down, tried to get the sharpshooter, uh, but Asuka goes for the heel hook, postures up for a suplex that gets blocked. Natalia goes back to the sharpshooter. Kyrie comes in to break that up, and then Natalia gets knocked to the floor with a hip attack. Go through the commercial. Asuka's working for the armbar. Natalia fights it, and Asuka knocks Evans off the apron. Natalia then suplexes Sane, fights to the corner. She's crawling and crawling, and... I'm trying to make sense of this match. And as she's crawling to the corner, I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Lacey, after watching Natalia sell for this whole match, she's going to fuck her here at the end. And I'm waiting for Lacey to just hop down to the floor, give her the finger. She takes the hot tag and just runs in. I just gave up. I deleted all my notes. I'm like, I don't understand wrestling. That's my whole raw report. Sane misses off the top. Woman's right to Sane. Oscar blind tag. Rolls up your brand new babyface Lacey Evans to win. Get the fuck off Raw. That's the end of this match. It was, uh, I thought, a match that was, man, the fact Pointless. that this was in the main event, I 
I really don't know what the thinking was. I certainly don't. You know what I think it was? Because um, Dave had this in the newsletter last week, and I think it was more so a beneficiary of starting the show last week, but they were the highest quarter hour last week on Raw. Natalia and Lacey Evans? Well, it's the first hour is the most watched hour, and that opening was the most watched. And they deserve some credit for that. Okay. Um, Sure. But yeah, I thought maybe they felt that that's that's my only rationale but you're putting it here at the end of the show that it would not surprise me if this was among the lowest of the show because this third hour i was i was totally zapped okay well i hope i hope they proved me wrong um i thought it was a match that just really felt a little too long and a little little too slow leading up to the finish to to me to garner any recognizable interest from the audience I thought by the time the finish came, it felt re- relatively flat. And I think, you know, having a, a sudden baby face turn for Lacey Evans didn't necessarily help matters. Um, You've got to be able to tell that story. And you could have done that at the end of the match last week. But it's like you skipped everything. You skipped everything in between. And it was just you can do like a surprise. I think if it was like a really great like program, like. You know, and at the end of the match, maybe you get the handshake or something like that. But to go from the end of that match to all of a sudden this, you're right. Yeah, a lot is missed. I really enjoyed Natalia and Asuka in this. The 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 division you have on Raw between Becky, Charlotte, Asuka, Natalia, Kyrie Sane, like that's a that's a solid core you have on on Raw. And I I'd like to see more with Natalia and Asuka here. I thought they worked really, really well together. Um but this was just really late in the show. I think this would have benefited greatly from being much, much earlier. And we've got several minutes left. And, of course, we have not had our fiend hunting segment yet. So we go to Bray's Funhouse. And he says that he never forgets. And Ramblin' Rabbit appears, warning him that Seth Rollins is coming. And then Rollins jumps onto the set. He's found this mysterious set. Destroys all of the photos, which paled in comparison to Sonata's wall of photos. <laughs> yes. Bray asks, why are you doing this? Rollins attacks him. You can hear all of the fans booing Rollins as he says, burn it down. And he lit the Firefly Funhouse on fire to end the show. Yeah, yeah. Or at least uh, this version of, of the Firefly Funhouse. So he he burnt it down. He did it. So, um, man, poor man lost a shack and a fun house. I hope he had insurance. Progressive. Maybe. That was really good. <laughs> uh, All right, night well, two of the draft way. You know, honestly, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was like waking up earlier to watch that New Japan show and then um, doing a podcast already with you. But I certainly felt... Like this was just, um, ah, uh, just, just there. Um, it, I thought this was a lost opportunity. I just think the draft this year that they, you know, it just felt like we were reading names. Like it was like we were reading attendance and mm-hmm. like taking attendance. This person, yeah. this person. I just thought there was so much potential of like a hard reset and this would spark a lot of momentum for both shows. Their favorite word. And I don't know, maybe maybe several weeks from now we're going to look and these shows will have more of a distinct flavor to both of them. But I can't say the draft injected that after these two nights. 
No, I think much of the roster actually looks pretty much the same from before. Um, they did the 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 wild card. There weren't a whole lot of switches of guys going from or women going from brand to another brand that yeah. they weren't already on. Like the key players, I guess Lesnar was never on a brand, right? What what brand was he on? He was Raw. He was Raw, so he moved. He moved, sure. But I mean, what does that mean? He'll only show up like I don't know five times a year anyway. So. Where's Kane? What 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 side is Kane on? Velasquez, well, he's yeah. not he's not eligible. Neither is Cena or Taker. I mean, that's those are. Why special. is Kane not not eligible? He's the champion. He's challenging for the title. Well, he's got he a brand, the title. He, he's got a brand new contract, I suppose. And I, dude, I don't know. He's challenging. He's in the most pushed program right now. I think that requires some kind of explanation. What happens to the title if he wins it in three weeks? I don't know. I'm getting heat flashes, man, from trying Sorry. to think about all these questions because okay. I have no answers. And I I doubt that they've even thought that far about something like that. Um, <laughs> They couldn't even do the draft without, like, spoiling it themselves. So I, I I feel like this was, like, a trying thing for this this company to perhaps get through. Um, And now that it's done, maybe we can focus on trying to make these shows good. Making these storylines good. And so, I don't know. I, I look forward to seeing what they can do starting on Friday. All right. We head on over to the forum. Tonight's show gets a 3.96. It was not a good show. Paul from New Jersey. If Charlotte has to get drafted, why would she care about representing SmackDown? Anyway, love Charlotte's character work lately. The one guy I hope benefits from this brand split is Andrade. He's more than ready for a main event role. Congratulations to the Viking Raiders. They got a nice ovation. I'm just embarrassed for Lana, Lashley, and Rusev. How many weeks does it take to get sick of Jerry Lawler? Three. Seems like a lot of people didn't get drafted. It makes them look insignificant, not iconic. We get an AJ from PA who says, I just don't really like where this angle with Wyatt and Rollins is gone. I'm not sure if the finish of the Hell in a Cell match soured it that much or if it was doomed from the start. Rollins promo seemed to completely ignore the fact that the Fiend rose up and made him bleed after the finish of that match. Also, I wish the location of the Funhouse was never really revealed. I always just figured it was all in Bray's head and it wasn't an actual place or location. Although it was a nice touch for him to be confused as to why Seth was attacking him since he's not the Fiend in his mind. Some good matches on the show, though. Better than SmackDown. I got tickets to AEW on Wednesday. Do you guys think Baker takes the belt or Priestley costs her the match? No, I think Rio retains. Um, yes. I'm not crazy about a finish where it's it's some run-in leading to the finish. I hope they stay away from that stuff for the time being, especially when you're establishing their title. Just have a really hot, competitive match. And um, you could do something in maybe the post-match with, with B. Priestley, but... Getting directly involved in the finish, I, I don't think that would be met well. Especially in Pittsburgh, where, you know, Baker's going to be the hometown favorite. Or, sorry, this week's Philadelphia. Next week's Pittsburgh. So the title match is not in Britt's hometown. Okay, next up. So a week ago, I wrongly suggested leaving the cafe. My apologies, but help me out. Normally, it's a good thing when booking isn't apparent, but where is this Seth Bray thing going? Didn't we just split the brands? I liked everything else tonight, but the women's title match went long. I'll stick around for the MCU reviews, for sure. But what's after that? What's oh. after that? Oh, I think you meant reviews? MCU reviews. You're already up to Homecoming. Well, there's a lot of movies after Homecoming, so that's your answer. Very well, easy chronology to follow. Yeah, or well, Lewis. Sure, or maybe we'll do some other movies, but... 
don't feel like you're pressuring like we're not pressuring you to to join the patreon or something like do whatever whatever you want uh but as for seth and bray i think um they're doing crown jewel that's what they're building up to yeah clearly they're keeping the interpromotional aspects alive at least through crown jewel that's it noah from vaughn couldn't get through the full show tonight ever since the beginning of this month with AEW and NXT doing their live shows. It just makes Raw watching Raw watching Raw especially tough to get through. What's up with Lacey and Natalia teaming up tonight? Rollins taking his t-shirt catchphrase literally. I'm disappointed not to have an Aleister Black promo, but was amazed to see that Eric Young still exists. Quick little interesting fact. This past week's Dynamite scored an 8 on the forum, something that Raw has never done since you started post-wrestling. Also... Did you guys notice that they used the exact same war room footage during the show tonight? Yes, we, we noticed. Did. Yeah. I think everyone else did as well. Um, Brandon from Oshawa. I've never been a huge hater of the three-hour Raws, but now with SmackDown and Impact, NXT to two hours, AEW, the third hour finally did its toll on me tonight. I felt like I was watching it for six hours. There were some real questionable picks in this draft. Who the hell would draft Humberto Carrillo over guys like The Miz, Joe, Corbin, and Elias? Even if some of those aren't the greatest in-ring talents, they have still been in prominent roles. Glad the War Raiders have rebounded after a terrible first couple of weeks. They seem really over, and I hope that they have a long reign as champions. Ending was terrible. I'm really questioning what, where they are going with the Rollins Fiend again, or why they are, when they don't want either to lose. And who loses the Fury-Strowman match? Strowman's going to look pathetic if he gets knocked out, so it looks like two non-finishes there. Dynamite can't get here soon enough. We got a Matt who says, I thought this episode of Raw was absolutely trash. The draft has been a big letdown and SmackDown got horrendous picks. Raw's picks are so much better than SmackDown's, but the stories Raw tell are just awful. As far as the the Fiend and Rollins, the only thing that needs to burn down is this damn feud. WWE has been horrible past the past week, so I'll just stick to AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Two out of ten show. Jay from Colorado. A friend called me and said he had an extra seat for tonight's show here in Denver. I turned him down, as even though it's a free ticket, an hour drive into town, an hour back, paying for parking, grabbing an overpriced beer, all of that would have made this night an expensive night. Oddly enough, though, after watching the show live from the comfort of my home where the parking is free, as is the beer, and the food is good, I still feel defeated. Raw and SmackDown have been consistently scoring four or below since the debut of AEW. I like how our scoring system is starting to really take off with people. Neither show changed dramatically in the last month, with the exception of the set design, commentators, and pyro. Do you guys think this is because AEW, and to a lesser extent NXT, has spoiled us for a good product? Or is the show really that much worse than it was a month or two ago? I think there's something to that. You know, the fact that I think, you know, a lot of us can see alternatives just a couple days later and how, what the potential for a good wrestling show is in both NXT and AEW certainly makes SmackDown and Raw it magnifies, I think, you know, certain things like the Bobby Lashley, Rusev angle. But it's I think also, it puts it into focus. Like, yeah. name me name me a wrestling show that is worse than Raw right now. Um, I can't. No, it, it is the worst wrestling show that is... Uh, it's been the worst wrestling show uh, in for a long time. Um, well, I guess, I suppose, okay. I, I, I can't. It's the worst, yet it also is the one that seems to get talked about the most. So, there's still curiosity attached to it, but as a viewing experience, it is very difficult. Because even something like, you know, I'm thinking like, okay, if you watch Ring of Honor, at least it's it's not three hours. And it's probably not bad. 
Uh, we go next to, oh, you're up. Okay, we go to Charles in Louisiana who says, Regarding Mike and Maria Canellis, I feel as though he never should have been brought up directly to the main roster after his initial signing. Compared to his peers who have competed in similar promotions, he was already a mediocre wrestler before he signed with WWE. That's not to say he's bad or untalented, but he was never a standout performer in any major promotion he was in. He should have debuted in NXT and subsequently joined the Undisputed Era a la Roderick Strong. In honor of the Viking Raiders winning the Tag Team Championships, who are you, your guys' favorite Raw Tag Team Champions? What a question. Our favorite Raw Tag Team Champions uh, ever since the Raw Tag Team, Tag Team titles have been established. So that is a very difficult question. John, do you have a pick? The next ones. That's your favorite, okay. I'm try- I'm bringing up a list of like all the former Raw Tag Team Champions here. Oh, please read them. Okay. Do you even know? Well, I guess I guess what lineage do you consider this? Because like, it it, it it's um, <laughs> does this actually continue from like, like the the two thousand and two titles? Or were we uh, talking two thousand six? Where the raw tag team titles go back? They are the linear version of the SmackDown tag titles, are they not? The WWE tag titles that they introduced on SmackDown. Well, Braun. Know, too. Okay, I, I have I have my answer either way. Braun Strowman and Nicholas, of course, they're the best. Nothing tops them. I mean, Nicholas never lost. Them. Man, AOP have already won the belts. I totally forgot about that. They were champions for thirty five days. Wow. Okay. Uh, who's next? <laughs> That's it. That's all the feedback we've got. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, whether it be to rewind a raw to our review of King of Pro Wrestling, what a what a variance in professional wrestling on this Monday, October the fourteenth. Uh, we will be back though on Tuesday night with our review of Spider Man: Homecoming. Yeah, Spider Man, Ricochet's favorite superhero, and uh, that will be coming out late Tuesday night on the cafe, and then Wednesday we're back with Rewind the Dynamite. So. Uh, in the meantime, you can go check out all the latest news at postwrestling.com. We'll have uh, stuff up after the Wrestle Kingdom press conference that's going on uh, in about an hour or so. And we will be chatting about that later on this week. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we will be back later on this week.